At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast. Your source for sports entertainment. Incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barn. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter is how you get in touch with us. It is Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N, 855, the number four, G-A-R-T-E-N, iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates, and go check us out at SportsGarten.com. Also, make sure you guys check out our weekly radio show. It's Wanna Bet! Weekend edition every Sunday morning on over 100 stations across America. We have a lot to talk about today. Deshaun Watson's in the news. I want to get into the impact of that. We have some baseball conversation we certainly want to get into. But it is the NBA draft this week, and the NBA draft is one of those situations where you can make money on if you're a smart better. Today, we're going to talk about the NBA draft and how to bet the NBA draft. You know, so many people really overlook these, I guess you could call them almost niche type of uh, situations in sports. When you're talking about certain situations, there are, are the novice sports better is going to overlook something like this. Even the experienced sports better in a lot of areas can't seem to find the value that they want and they'll overlook it. And that gives us a great opportunity for us, us guys that are in the know to kind of jump on the situation because there's not a lot of not a lot of draft capital here or not a lot of betting capital here in the draft. And we've seen this happen. We watched this happen with the NFL draft and the numbers move consistently. The numbers are all over the place. You know, I don't liken it exactly to WWE, but it's got a very WWE scripted kind of scenario. You watch a guy jump in odds and move all over. And, and it's not because people don't know stuff. I mean, right now, the Orlando Magic know who they're going to take. You know, Oklahoma City, you know, they they kind of realize who they're going to go with. You can start to be informed in the leagues, and there's more than just one guy that sort of knows. So the numbers are moving not only because of the perceived reality of what is going on, but because of, well, you know what? Money's coming in on here. Money's coming in on there. But there's a lot of people in the know. So it gets a little tricky when you are betting things like, the NBA draft, or any draft situation. It's very much similar to when I talk about Super Bowl prop plays or championship prop plays. You know, if you haven't been playing prop plays all season long, you're likely to overreact. We're likely to see money come in uh, in situations where us regular prop play players are looking at it and just saying, yeah, I, I, I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't know about that, or I don't like that, or I'm not sure about that. Because 
we are so used to playing prop plays and we're so involved with prop plays that the numbers are going to be skewed one way or the other. So let's get into the NBA draft here. We'll look at the first round. I'll give you the draft order and then we'll get into some betting odds and who I believe is going to go where. So Orlando is on the clock right now. The Orlando Magic, worst record in the league. They're number one. Oklahoma City comes in at two. Houston at three. Sacramento, four. Detroit, five. Indiana, six. Portland, seven. New Orleans on the trade from the Los Angeles Lakers is eight. San Antonio, Washington, New York, nine, 10, 11. Now at 12, the Oklahoma City Thunder come in from a trade from the Clippers. So Oklahoma City has the two and 12. They absolutely are going to have a huge draft here. As far as, look, they may not make the right picks, but as far as their history, look, they have to kind of do the right thing here. Then Charlotte, Cleveland, and Charlotte again. So Charlotte has the 13th and 15th because they got that from New Orleans. So Charlotte has 13 and 15. That's pretty big. 16 goes to Atlanta. Houston has 17 in a trade from Brooklyn. So Houston as well. Houston's looking at 3 and 17. Chicago, Minnesota, then San Antonio at 20 from Toronto. And you start to look at Denver, Memphis coming from Utah. Memphis isn't that far down at 22. Milwaukee, Philadelphia, or Philadelphia, Milwaukee, San Antonio again. So San Antonio is 20 and 25 because of that trade from Boston. Dallas, Miami, Golden State, Memphis, OKC from Phoenix again. So OKC, guys, has three picks in the first round. OKC is sitting here at two. OKC is 12 and OKC is 30. They can completely and utterly reinvent their team very, very quickly. Very, very quickly. And I know the consensus thought about the draft generally is that a lot of people aren't, um, don't believe you could find that superstar outside of the top two or three guys. But teams need more than just superstars. You got to try to find starters. If the Magic leave this draft, now they got the number two pick, you want them to land a superstar there. You think that they're going to hit that, that big time guy. But if the Orlando Magic leave this draft without a number one superstar, or the Oklahoma City Thunder leave this draft without a superstar, but they get a consistent starter for the next four or five years. And in OKC's case, they could have three starters. Maybe not their superstar, but they get three consistent starters. Guys, that's a successful draft. I mean, that's a successful draft. So let's take a look here at some of the odds because the odds have been bouncing up and down. Let me give you the odds and then we'll talk about them, okay? Uh, Jabari Smith Jr. is still favored to go number one overall, but his numbers has come down real a real lot. He's minus 155 right now. Paolo Banchero, huge movement. We'll talk about that. He's about 2-1, to one, plus 210 in some spots. Chet Holmgren, plus 230. Then it jumps up. Jaden Ivey, 9-1. Nine, nine to one. Uh, Shannon Sharp is 10-1. to one. Keegan Murray is 20-1. to one. Uh, You look at A.J. Griffin's 20-1. to one. Johnny Davis is 30-1. Jalen Duran is 30-1. So it jumps up real quick. I mean, really what you have is Smith, Benchero, and Holmgren all kind of in the competition for one, one, two, three. That looks like the one, two, three. Then it jumps up huge from plus 230 to nine to one to JD and Ivy. Then you got you know, nine to one, Ivy and Sharp. And then it jumps up to 20 to one. So it doubles up there. And then 30 to one real fast after that. Let's talk about Smith. Okay. Um, you look at Jamari Smith. He's this rare guy that I don't know if I see superstar with him. But I see plenty of all-stars because he can play offense and defense, okay? He has length. He has the athleticism that you're looking for, right? He averaged about 17 points per game, but he also averaged over seven rebounds per game. He is a guy that you look at and you look at as a guy that you go, okay, he, he can play offense and defense. Even if he doesn't, his offense may not be as polished as it once was early on, 
offensively, well, he's he's not going to hurt you. He's going to play defense. He also has the lineage. You know, his father was a, a decade long in the NBA. That means something. It does. That means something when you're talking about his inner circle. Well, his inner circle is his father. Sure. He was, out of betting situation, he was almost a 5-1 to one favorite about two weeks ago, guys. I mean, you know, you look at the Jabari Smith was supposed to be the guy kind of hands down here as of two weeks ago, a five to one favorite. And now he's down to minus 155. You can look at this in two ways. You can say, you know, I think I'm getting a little bit of a value here with Jabari Smith. I think he's a guy that, wow, you know what? I'm glad I didn't take this two weeks ago because if he does go number one, now is the time to jump on it at 155. Or are you saying, uh uh-oh, you know, the numbers are, are leaning towards he's not going to be the number one pick. We watched this in the NFL draft a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of months ago now, and we saw the the movement kind of lead you to that direction. You also have to ask yourself in this position, do you still think that it still continues to fall? We'll answer that question in a moment. Now let's go to the guy that is pushing pushing him and putting some pressure on him, and that's Banchero. Right? I mean, Banchero is a player that when you watched Duke play this year, you knew he was the guy. Okay? You knew he was the guy. We just talked about it. So we just talked about with Jabari Smith, 17.7 and a half rebounds, about, right? Uh, Banchero, 17 points, little under eight rebounds. I mean, that that's the way he is. Now, a guy goes to the final four, like Banchero, maybe he's going to get a little bit of hype. Maybe we thought that. But Banchero, you look at this, and he was, you could have got him at 16 to one. A couple of months ago, he was not supposed to be pushing for number one overall. Many people really did look at the situation, and most people looked at this and said, you know, eh, probably go three, maybe four. I know that I spoke to people in the NBA that, that were going, you know, I, I think he's surely in the top five, but he may fall out of that. That was like two months ago. Now, everybody I'm speaking to is saying, yeah, he, he might go one. I mean, he, he might go one. It might push him back up. We are in a situation here where I'm pretty convinced he goes one or two. Chet Holmgren is plus 230. He's another guy that he's his numbers have moved as well, not as extreme as Banchero and not as extreme even as Jabari Smith. And I don't think that Chet Holmgren's really in competition for number one overall. But again, the pedigree is there. He is a seven-footer. Okay, that is getting rarer in the NBA and because of the lesser position that a center kind of has become, but he's a seven footer that can shoot. He's a seven footer that can dribble. He's a seven footer that kind of reminds you of Dirk in a little bit of way, obviously not the shooter of Dirk, but it reminds you of the game of Dirk. Could it remind you of the game of the unicorn? Yeah. Maybe it reminds you of, of him a little bit. Um, could you squint and see some Luca tendencies there? Yeah. Very potentially. But he's also a really good defensive player as well. Luka doesn't play defense, right? And I'm not saying that Holmgren's going to be Luka, but you can start to see that. Hey, he does remind me a little bit of Dirk, but he plays really good defense. Again, here's a guy that if you're taking in the top three, you're going, if he washes out offensively and he just doesn't get it done offensively, he's still a big body inside. He's still a big presence. He's still going to be a run uh, shot blocker, and he's still going to be able to run the floor and play defense. Yeah, that's important. You know, he's got the 14 points. He's got the 10 rebounds per game. He also averaged about three and a half blocks per game. This is a guy that you find in the right situation. He could really explode in this league. And I think that guys are looking at him in that vein. 
there are GMs looking at him in that, wow, you know what? I know what his upside can be because I've seen it before and I've watched this before with guy uh, guys like Dirk and, and potentially Luka, even though he plays better defense than him. Jaden Ivey is 9-1. to one. Look, he's not in contention for number one overall. I'm not laying the 9-1 to one here, but he's a really good player, and he is getting a lot of talk. Every time I talk to somebody in the NBA about the NBA draft um, and the NBA analysts and scouts and everybody else that I have spoken to, everyone mentions Jaden Ivey. I mean, that, that, that's what they're doing. And I think that Jaden Ivey almost has to fall into the right situation, right? Now, he is a fantastic defensive player. And if you've noticed, all of the guys I've mentioned pretty much, uh, you know, look, we're talking about defense. Can Jaden Ivey win a Defensive Player of the Year award in the next five years? I think so. I mean, I think that's how good defensively we're talking about. A Marcus Smart type of impact with him. Can he lift his team up? Can he put his team on the shoulders offensively? Can he be a superstar? No, I don't I don't know about that. I don't know. But listen, how many superstars do we have in the league? He, to me, profiles as a really good number three, and he could be a two on, on the right team. That's a good number to have if you're picking inside the five, top five. And then Sharp comes in. Um, He's a guy that, look, he reclassified and this season, you know, with Kentucky, he's basically like a swing man. Now, he is a, a, a big guy. He's got good athleticism. He's, he's, he's a lot of coaching. To me, he's a guy that you need that kind of coaching to kind of jump up and make sure, all right, this is the guy we want because of what he brings to the table. So we go here and we say, do you think that, Odds-wise, Jabari Smith is going to continue to fall. Do I jump on Jabari Smith odds-wise right now? I'm looking at the Magic, and I don't know what they're they're thinking. They refuse to talk. They have been tight-lipped in, in the best of ways for the Magic. you got to give them a lot of credit. It's really hard nowadays to keep somebody under wraps like that they have. But the Magic have been really tight-lipped about what they're going to do. I still believe that Jabari Smith is the choice, but I'm getting nervous with the line movement. If you gave me free money today, I'll bet the minus 155. But I'll tell you what, I may wait a couple of days because I might get down to like 140. But I'm buying into Smith. The, the other problem that you have when you're buying in on somebody like this is you have to look at things and you have to go, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, If I'm buying in on him here and I wait and it comes out and the Magic kind of let their, their hand show, which might happen in the next couple of days, well, now it'll go skyrocketing. So taking Smith at 155, if you believe Smith is going to go number one overall, I believe Smith is going to go number one overall. If you believe that, 155 is kind of a steal right now. He is a guy that he really could elevate the Magic. He could become the guy on the Magic. Now, number two, I see a lot of Chet Holmgren. I see a lot of Banchero. It makes a lot of sense for the Thunder to go out there and sit back and take Banchero. He he makes sense. He's climbing up the charts. It makes total, total sense. But Holmgren fits kind of what they do more there. If you watch the Magic, um, or, uh, I'm sorry, if you watch the Thunder over the years here, he's kind of that guy. They like that strong defense. They like the idea that they could put him at a couple of different positions. They can they, they don't have to move him out of the lineup when you go small, when you go big, or when you're going a running style. So I think Banchero, even though all the stock tells me differently, I think he falls to number three. I know that his number is inflated. I know he's climbing up the dra- uh, charts, and he's just flipping out people. I mean, people in, in this business go, oh, what am I doing? Oh, I could have got him at 16 to one. I don't think he goes number one. And I wouldn't be surprised if he goes number three to Houston. Um, I don't think it, this is a slight on him at all. I'm not sure I could make 
heads or tails of why he's jumped up the list so far. But I, if I think if he doesn't go one, he doesn't go two. And I'm, I, I would take a shot at plus money, and you could get plus money right back right now. You get plus money at him at three. That makes a lot of sense. Now, guys like Murray um, and Ivy, they're probably going to both go into the top five. I think uh, the Pistons are a pretty good fit for Ivy. That makes a little bit of sense. You know, Dyson Daniels is a G League player that people are talking about. I don't think he creeps into the top five. He He's a top 10 feel for me, but I don't think somebody kind of goes out there and rolls the dice on him. Top five. I think Sharp can fall. I think Sharp could fall to the end of the top 10, meaning, you know, 8, 9, 10. I think Sharp can certainly uh, go out there and, and fall to that level. Guy, guys, Jalen Duran, the center from Memphis, he could sneak into the top 10. He's a good fit for the Knicks at 11, but he could sneak into the top 10 if you're looking for somebody outside of the top 10 that people aren't really talking about. A.J. Griffin, uh, the freshman from Duke, makes a lot of sense inside the top 15. I think he probably goes 12 or 13 or so. He makes a lot of sense. Another Duke player, Mark Williams, might go inside the top 15. Those are guys that I'm keeping an eye on because they're from Duke, because it makes a lot of sense. Um, when you're talking about that, Wendell Moore, probably not a top 15 guy, another junior from Duke, probably not a top 15 guy. He's certainly a first-round talent. I think he sneaks inside the top 25 more than likely. Um, I'm hearing a lot of talk uh, on Jake LaRavia uh, La from Wake Forest, the forward. I think he's a first-round guy. I, I I would take some money on him, and you're getting for him to go into the first round. You, you're, you're laying very little, minus 115. Minus one twenty. Uh, uh, the other joker, uh, Jokic uh, from Mega Basketball in Serbia. Uh, I think he's a first round pick. I think somebody takes the shot because of the European success that we've had. So he becomes another first round pick that I think that you might be able to grab onto as well. You start to get into the late rounds, and you're not getting a lot of value one way or the other. You're not getting a lot of guys that jump off the charts at you. So, you know, to me, look, I won't be making a lot of bets. I'll, I'll throw a couple of bets on a couple of guys to go in the first round. If I could get the little plus money, like I said, plus 110, even if I'm minus 120, if, if it's right around there. I'm not laying 145 or something like that, but I'll go the, the minus 110, minus 120, even plus 110, if I could get plus money for two or three guys, like I said, late, a couple of the Duke guys and whatnot, uh, that I could see getting into the top. But everybody wants to talk about the number one pick. I still think Jabari Smith and 155 makes sense. Um, I will not bet on Banchero and Holmgren to go 2-3. I think they go 2-3. I think that 1-2-3, Smith, Banchero, and Holmgren are pretty much set. None of them are falling to 4 at all, but I just don't see the value there to go take a shot. Um, last thing I want to do uh, real quick before I, I head out of here, I know we all love to talk about past drafts and how it impacts and, and everything else, and um, it is a little fun. Last year, it was Cade Cunningham who was the overwhelming betting favorite. Year before that, Anthony Edwards wasn't overwhelming until late. Zion Williamson, that was actually a lot close. Look, Zion Williamson betting angle was massive, but I really thought John Morant would have a shot. I talked about it on the air. I would have taken John Morant. Um, I, I still think John Morant was probably the right pick, I would say, but the betting angle didn't say that. Aton, uh, DeAndre Aton, there was not a huge betting market on him Markel Fultz, that was a weird draft in 2017. There was a couple of guys that could have went there. Ben Simmons, 2016, was pretty known. Carl Anthony Towns, 2015. Andrew Wiggins, Anthony Bennett, Anthony Davis before that. Kyrie, John Wall, Blake Griffin, Derek Rose, Greg Oden, uh, and then you, you keep going. So 
the betting window for the NBA draft um, is is certainly something you can make money on, but you got to be very, very careful. And right now, right now, there's a lot of overreaction in the field. Right now, there's a lot of overreaction when we're talking about numbers moving and, oh, Ben Chero, and that's everybody's, oh, well, Will, Will, Holmgren go. There's a lot of uncertainty, but... Take it like anything else. Use the information that you have at hand. Take all the information in before you go out there and you make a bet. All right, guys, let's take a quick time out. Come on back. When we do get back, we have a lot more to talk about, including big breaking Deshaun Watson news this week and how that's going to impact the league. Deshaun Watson, the Cleveland Browns, some futures plays. I'm going to get into all of that and a little bit of baseball right after this on Wagering Week. Every day, our world gets a little more connected but a little further apart. But then there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I bet you twenty bucks I can get the gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? We're going to take a look at the Cleveland Browns and their future odds. They are still twenty-five to one to win the Super Bowl, which is basically where they have been for a while now. But they are down to only two twenty-five to win the AFC North. They were at two fifty, even three to one at portions over the course of the season. So maybe some Deshaun Watson news is feeling like he could play. The Cleveland Browns opened up at minus two and a half favorites on Week One against the Carolina Panthers on the road. It went all the way up down from four and all the way down to two and a half. Now it's back up to minus three, and you can even start to see some three and a halves pop out there. The over-under is 42 and a half for opening day. That is what are the odds. You might be asking yourself, Tom, why are we talking about the Cleveland Browns in opening day? Why, why, why are we getting into Cleveland Browns talk in the middle of baseball season, in the middle of, uh, you know, the Stanley Cup was just on. Well, we're getting into Cleveland Browns talk because Deshaun Watson has made news again. Here we go. Deshaun Watson is out there. He's making some major news again. And the Deshaun Watson news, it's not only because it's Deshaun Watson. right? I think we need to really sit back and have a conversation about that because it's not just Deshaun Watson, right? This is a problem because of the overall feel about what the Cleveland Browns will be. When the Cleveland Browns ended their season last year, a lot of people looked at this Cleveland Browns team as one of those teams to go out and bet on. And we talked about it right after the Super Bowl, and I I was talking to people during the Super Bowl, and so many people said, yeah, the Browns are going to be my team next year. You know, that's going to be the team. They showed a lot of growth. They still had a very good defense. They have a good head coach. That was up for coach of the year uh, just a couple of years ago, right? Their running situation was fantastic. You still have Chubb. You still have Hunt. You still have... Uh, Jackson there, you, you, uh, Johnson there, you still have a lot of good things. And again, their defense is, is still the mainstay. 
You also looked at the division that was kind of coming down. Look, the Ravens underperformed. You could blame the injuries, but they did. The Bengals, well, they came out of nowhere. I don't know anybody that really believes in the Bengals again, and Pittsburgh lost their Hall of Fame Pro Bowl type of quarterback, and they're going with a rookie or Mitch Trubinsky. So people liked the Cleveland Browns. Then they went out there and they made a couple of additions, getting good wide receivers, and all, all of a sudden the Browns were now that team again. Now, we we saw this a couple of years ago where the Browns were the team, the team that everybody thought was going to kind of take that huge step up. The Browns were going to be that team. And then the rumors were, wait a minute, they could get Deshaun Watson. And we saw the bandwagon get as full as possible on Deshaun Watson and what Deshaun Watson was going to be and what he could potentially add to this team. What would happen to Baker Mayfield? We don't know. There was so much speculation on what could be, what might be, what there will be in Cleveland, but most of it was good. And then Deshaun Watson and the background of Deshaun Watson kind of came in. And we did speak about this multiple times on the show where we just assumed as a sports betting community that the Cleveland Browns were not as stupid as they are. We assumed that they did their due diligence, that they did their homework, that they knew that Deshaun Watson was going to be exonerated or Deshaun Watson would get a small penalty, maybe a six-game penalty. But you know what? We could live with that. Even if we go, you know, two and four over that span, we could still get into the playoffs. That was their the thinking of most people that were going out there and betting the Browns. Now, full disclosure, I have never believed in the Browns. I, I probably haven't believed in the Browns since Bernie Kosar, and even then probably didn't. I never believed in this Browns team. I never believed that they were the team a couple of years ago. I never believed that they would be that team last year. And I certainly didn't believe them even with Deshaun Watson. While Deshaun Watson is a good player, go look at his over-under record. Go look at his, his uh, win-loss record. It's not that extraordinarily great. As a matter of fact, it's pretty bad. Deshaun Watson is a good player but I didn't believe he was going to take this team to the promised land, okay? But others did. And anybody that did believe that the Cleveland Browns organization did what they should have done. Well, over the course of the Deshaun Watson case, we now know that they certainly didn't, that there are new cases, that there are new procedures. Deshaun Watson began his defense with, I did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong turned into, well, maybe you did a little something wrong. And then it turned into, well, asking for a happy ending is not wrong. I mean, that is really where the defense went. The defense went to, I did nothing wrong to where we stand now, which is, ah, well, you know what? I mean, he asked for a happy ending, but he didn't grab the girl's wrist. I mean, that's really where we've devolved to. So the Deshaun Watson stuff is certainly out there. And I think most people that are in the know right now are saying, okay, Deshaun Watson, we still don't know what's going on coming into this week. We still don't know what's going on, but we expect him to get some kind of a penalty. I wouldn't be surprised if he never took a snap for the Cleveland Browns. I did speak about that on my shows where, I mean, this could be a complete disaster for Cleveland. They gave up first round picks in a very quarterback laden draft coming up next year. They gave up Baker Mayfield basically because they ostracized him to a point where I don't know if he wants to even be part of the team. I mean, there's a lot of things going on in Cleveland that went wrong. And it was all, well, you know what? If Deshaun is there, maybe he could get us to the promised land. And that was okay. Well, we don't know if Deshaun's going to be there. Now, new things have come out. Now, look, to Deshaun Watson's credit, my God, I hate to say those words, but to Deshaun Watson's credit, he had me 10% convinced, 10% convinced that maybe he didn't do anything wrong. 10% convinced. Now, I was 90% convinced, throw the book at him, oh my God, this is ridiculous. I was 90% convinced that this guy is a piece of you-know-what. I was 90% convinced of that. But there was 10% convinced, and I'll tell you exactly why. The 10% of me was convinced because I said, you know, well, he said, I will not settle. I will not settle. Now, 
you could talk to me about Tom Brady and what he did with the deflating of the balls and everything else, and you could believe for him or against him or whatnot. But one of the things I always went, went on with Tom Brady is he was defiant. I did not do this. I didn't do it on purpose, or I didn't do it, or it wasn't done. He was defiant. He put a line in the sand and said, suspend me. I'm not saying I did it. I will not admit to it. There has to creep a little bit of doubt in everyone's mind if you are that defiant about something. So I had about a 10%, maybe Deshaun Watson. Maybe he's got something to go on here. Maybe, maybe he's got something to go on here. Well, Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson has now reached a confidential settlement, cash settlement, with all but four of the 24 women who sued him and accused him of sexual misconduct during 2020, 21, those massage sessions. That now has gotten rid of the 10%. The settlements end their litigation against him. So it's about a year and a half later, 15 months later. Uh, most were filed in 2021. So 20 of the 24 women now have money in their pocket to basically shut up and walk away, right? I mean, that that's what it is. There, the plaintiff's attorney, uh, attorney Busby said, today I announced that all the cases against Deshaun Watson with the exception of four have settled. We're working through the paperwork related to those settlements. Once we have done so, those particular cases will be dismissed. The terms and the amount of the settlements are confidential. We won't comment further on these settlements. So you can look at this two ways, okay? And I'll tell you, you can look at this as Deshaun Watson just wants to move on. He wants to get his football career moving forward. Settling the case allows Watson to not have to deal with litigation, doesn't have to have that hanging over him, okay? He just made $230 million from the Browns, and a lot of it is guaranteed money. So settling the case also, he doesn't have to be away from the team for depositions and things of that nature. That was all scheduled for him uh, this week. So we don't, you don't have to worry about that. And if you're Deshaun Watson, you can say, okay, look, it's just money. You know, I know what people are going to think of me anyway. I get it uh, away from me, whatever. But in a way, isn't this sort of also a guilty plea? In a way, I mean, look, I don't think that all buyouts are guilty. I think there there are a lot of situations where you turn around and you go, okay, look, I, just get out of my hair, I, I, whatever. It's money that you're here for. Go for it. I, I think that. But I, I think if you're Roger Goodell, you've got to look at this and you have to go, well, you know, there's, I, it's not one or two. It's 24 allegations. You paid people off. You did this. We, we always talk about the big name figures. And- you know, if you pay somebody off, look, look, Trump had the same thing. If you pay somebody off, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're right. It means you want them away from you and, and out of your life. What is really interesting to me is that four women didn't say. Four women are either holding out for more money or four women are going, you know what? I don't care. My principles are, I'm not going to let this guy off the hook. We don't know from those four women. So Roger Goodell has to do his due diligence here. Now, NFL spokesman Brian McCarthy said today's development has no impact on the collective, collectively bargained disciplinary process, which means Goodell can still, still suspend him, and I think he will. I think he will. Um, here's, here's Watson's case, if we could take a moment. Watson's defense case to Roger Goodell. Remember, it may not go to court. To Roger Goodell. I was never arrested. I was never charged after two grand juries in Texas, did not indict me. That's that's pretty powerful stuff, guys. Now, I am against the Deshaun Watson situation. I, I, look, look, I'm not sticking up for him at all here. I'm laying out the evidence. Deshaun Watson's defense is pretty strong. 
It's a pretty strong defense. That th- There was none of that. But Roger Goodell has to make, he's got to, just for the sake of the league, he's got to make a statement here. He's got to go out there. He has to, Deshaun Watson has to be suspended. I mean, he just has to, right? Um, we have to look at Deshaun Watson and think he's going to get slapped. I don't know how much, but he's going to get slapped. Now, by the way, we have a little bit of an idea because Watson said he offered each plaintiff $100,000 and, and <laughs> none of them wouldn't really accept that. Uh, so we know it's it's some money. But Roger Goodell has to, he's got to suspend him somewhat. And that is really why we're looking at this from a, a perspective when you're talking about the monetary payments and what is being paid off doesn't really matter. But does Roger Goodell look at this and say, you know, this impacts me this way. This impact, I would rather you go through the indictments and the trials and let me hear some information. Let me hear something so I could make a determination. I think Roger Goodell, and I'm very hard on Roger Goodell. I know the NFL fans are very hard on Roger Goodell. I think Roger Goodell has got to throw the hammer down here. Now, do I believe he will? No. Remember this, guys. When we're talking about all this, Roger Goodell works for the owners. Roger Goodell's bosses are the owners. One of these owners just paid Deshaun Watson $230 million of the most guaranteed money in NFL history. One of these owners put his entire team basically out there and said, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm relying upon Roger Goodell to not suspend him. Okay. That's what one of these owners did who he does work for. Another one of these owners is the Texans owner, right? A lot of this could get, this could you, well, you know what? Maybe you get draft picks back. I don't know what's going to happen. So you have, you have a couple of the owners that are going, okay, Roger Goodell, you know, you make your impact. Deshaun Watson's not going to get suspended for a year. I think he should. I think he should get suspended for two years, but I, I think he should be suspended. He's not going to be suspended for the entire year. So if you do like the Cleveland Browns, I'm not touching team total over, and I'm certainly not even touching that 225. But if you really do like the Browns and you think Deshaun Watson's going to be okay in the playoffs, your futures plays for the playoffs can still be out there. I don't believe in it necessarily because I don't believe in Deshaun Watson, not a, not any of this. But I'd be very, very shocked if Deshaun Watson is not the Cleveland Browns starting quarterback game one of the playoffs. Now, I'd be very, very shocked. I'd be just as shocked if Deshaun Watson is the starting quarterback on opening day. I don't think Deshaun Watson's going to be the starting quarterback opening day in the NFL. And now that we already have this, we have the litigation. Now Goodell could kind of make a ruling because he doesn't have to wait for the litigation process. He doesn't have to go down that road. So now Roger Goodell could turn around and kind of make this ruling. Roger Goodell could have this conversation. What are we looking at? You know, four games, six games, eight games, 10 games. What are we thinking? You know, I don't think it's a full season, but I think it's got to be impactful enough to sort of make people worry. Right? I mean, you got a guy going out there and making gambling bets, and he got slapped real hard for for gambling on the sport, even though he wasn't gambling against his team. And I get that. I understood it. Stupid little parlays, but I understood it. But now I need to see what you're going to do to Sean Watson. If Roger Goodell gives Deshaun Watson anything less than six games, I'm going to be upset. Look, let's be honest. If he gives him anything less than a year, I'll probably be on this microphone screaming. Okay? But I just, I'm, I've dealt with reality that he's not going to give him a year. He's just not going to give him a, a, a year. It's not going to happen. Um, who who has the idea? Only Roger Goodell. And I think he has a lot more information than we're privy to, obviously. I, I'm thinking you get a six-game suspension. He might go eight. I don't even think he goes to the ten. I think you're looking at six. If he gives him four, 
Oh, my God. I, I, I mean, there's going to be picketing outside the stadium. And there should be. I mean, there really should be. I don't think he's going to go as light as four. I think he gives six or eight. Six or eight games. So make your judgments based on that. All right. Let's talk about some other uh, NFL news here. Just a, a couple of news and notes. Rob Gronkowski announces his retirement. Very weird how it kind of went down. I'm not going to say it's Brady weird, but, it, <laughs> you know, it's very weird how it all went down. Um, he sort of hinted at retirement, but Brady came back, and we all just kind of expected him to come back into this. I think most of us expected Rob to say, okay, I'll do it one more time with Brady. Uh, let me have my farewell tour. I think that Rob is a guy that he's a hard guy to read, but overall, that was that was the general consensus about people that, that sort of knew him, right? About people that that sort of knew who Rob Gronkowski was. We all thought he was going to come back. But, you know, he, he's done. He's retired. And, and he hangs it up. 9,236 receiving yards. 92 receiving touchdowns. 11 career, uh, season career. He is an absolute surefire, no doubt, Hall of Famer. Absolute. No, no, no doubt about it, Hall of Famer. Easily, without a problem or a question, even, even more. Is he the greatest quarter, uh, tight end of all time? Well, he played with the greatest quarterback of all time, and that, in a weird way, is going to hold him against him. Do I think he's the greatest tight end of all time? I mean, he's got to be right there. He's got to be right there. I, I I still think, when you look at what Ditka did to the position, you have to put Ditka up there. I, I still believe that there are a couple of other guys that can, you could throw, but I think he moved ahead of guys like Antonio Gates. I think that Rob Gronkowski is a better all-time tight end than Tony Gonzalez. I think that Gronkowski is better than Travis Kelsey, who's still playing at a very elite level, and, and that could go over. But but just the pure dominance, and that's what it is. It's a dominance thing with Rob Gronkowski. So the numbers are fantastic, but it is a dominance thing. One of the things I, I, I will say about Gronkowski and getting into a betting situation, everybody's kind of looking at Tampa Bay this year, and they do have some problems. They are not bringing back the core like they were, but they are bringing back Brady. Did Brady really want to be there? Now you have a coaching change. Now Brady's playing without Gronkowski. Uh, you do have some pieces missing on the offense. Sure, you know, how will Godwin look coming back from that injury? There's a lot of stuff with Tampa Bay to hold you back from jumping on the Tampa Bay Bucks this year. But they do have a very easy division. Look, Atlanta's not going to be a playoff team. Carolina's not going to be a playoff team. And I really don't think New Orleans is going to be a playoff team. Remember, new quarterback, new head coach there. Here's the thing with Rob Gronkowski. And I, I want to read the quote because it's got to be in the back of anyone's mind that is betting on Tampa Bay this year or betting on anything in the NFC this year. Um, Adam Scheffler said that he got a text from Gronk and Gronk's agent, Drew Rosenhaus, I should say. And it said, I would not be surprised if Tom Brady calls him during the season to come back and Rob answers the call. This is just my opinion, but I wouldn't be surprised if Rob comes back during the season or next season. That is really, really interesting because that's how I feel. Look, a lot of these guys that you talk to in my over my, my career, they just can't stand. The veterans, the guys that, are, that have done it for a long time, they can't stand training camp. They can't stand the thought of going through that hot summer in training camp in Tampa, and then the early season where I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but the early season where you're kind of going through the steps. You know, remember Bill Belichick famously saying, well, you know, uh, four, 
first four games are kind of a, a warm-up. I want to see what we have on this team. You get, you get a lot of veterans that don't want to deal with that. They don't want to go through that. They don't want to deal with that uh, atmosphere and that perception. They don't want to. They just want to kind of play when they want to play. Well, Rob Gronkowski stri strikes me as a guy like that. Rob Gronkowski strikes me as a guy that turns around and goes, oh, wait a minute. Uh, we're in the playoffs? Rob, Tom, you need me for this playoff push? Last three games of the regular season? play. Yeah, he strikes me as that. He strikes me as a guy that comes back next year and Tom goes, look, let's just retire together. It's going to be my last year and announces it. He strikes me as that. Now, is it wise to go bet on something like that? No, not necessarily wise to go bet on something like that. But you have to keep it in the back of your head in a betting forum that Rob Gronkowski might come back. Is Rob Gronkowski the difference maker between the Tampa Bay Bucks winning a division or not? No, I don't think he is. I think Rob adds a lot. I think Gronkowski's a Hall of Famer. But I think if the Bucs, if you believe the Bucs are going to win their division, this doesn't knock it off. If I already like the Bucs to win their division, this doesn't set it back to go, oh, now I don't like them to win their division. No. But I do think long-term, I do think if you were in that position where you're going, you know, I think they could get to the NFC Championship game, but I don't think they could get to the Super Bowl. Um, now, all of a sudden, you're convinced. All right, well, look, without Gronk, they're not getting there. If you're somebody that believed they were winning the Super Bowl, maybe you have a little mis misgivings. Ah, I don't know if I love them for the Super Bowl, but, but I still think they could get there. I think he's a difference maker to an extent, and you should be looking at it like that to an extent. What the future holds with Rob Gronkowski, we're not sure, but I will read that quote and, and see that and say, yeah, I kind of agree with his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, and say he very well might return. There's a, there's a reason. There's Where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah, that is. That's Rob Gronkowski's future. Now let's go bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet, bet to, to the, the future. future. Bet to the future, and bet to the future brings us to Major League Baseball. I have the 2022 National League pennant odds. 2022 National League pennant odds still have the Dodgers on top at 2-1. to The New York Mets are closing in at 3-1. to Milwaukee has fallen back to 6-1. to Atlanta Braves, 8-1. to San Diego Padres, 8-1. to 12 to 1 for the San Francisco Giants, 14 to 1 for the St. Louis Cardinals, 16 to 1 for the Red Hot Philadelphia Phillies. Miami comes in at 50 to 1, Chicago and Colorado 125 to 1, Arizona and Washington 200 to 1 and the Pirates and Reds 250 or more to 1. That is bet to the future. Now, I got to tell you looking at these odds, I mean obviously you're not going to bet on Cincinnati or Pittsburgh. Um you're not going to bet on Washington, Arizona, Colorado, the Cubs. Philly at 16 to 1. I mean, that, that makes some sense. The Cardinals at 14 to 1 is, is pretty interesting as well. I don't know. I mean, look, I know the Dodgers are a good team. Is anybody laying two to one on the Dodgers right now? I, I with the way that this team is playing, with the injuries that they've had, I think that's a little crazy. I think it's a little crazy. And you know, I think people are still gonna say that the New York Mets are a little um a little bit value. All right, I I can I can go with that. I can understand the Mets. A little bit value play right there. I don't really overly believe that the Mets are going to keep this up, but it makes sense. It makes sense to take a look at this. Uh, let, let's take a look at some more Major League Baseball, and the All-Star voting is out. And I give you the All-Star voting, not necessarily from a betting perspective, but it does. Look, if you look at the All-Star voting and people right away are going to go, oh, what does that have to do with betting, you know, right? That, that's that's generally the idea. But if guys are heavy on the all-star team, and the all-star betting is coming from people going out there, and uh, I'm sorry, all-star voting is going out there from people that are voting on it. So it's actual fans are voting on the guys, which means that could correlate into betting. That could correlate into prop plays and what people believe in prop plays 
because the market dictates who they are and where they should be. So let's take a quick look at the leaders right now for the all-star betting and um, the betting market, and we'll see if we can adjust. So Wilson Contreras is the starting catcher for the Cubs, over 800,000 votes. You know, look, he's having a very good year. 278, 12 homers, 27 RBIs. He's not somebody on a prop play I would take, and I think catchers are very difficult on prop plays to take. Paul Goldschmidt, I have made a ton of money on. He's still undervalued. Paul Goldschmidt last year had nearly an MVP season. He was one of the guys that late in the year I said, you know, he might be able to steal this thing. Right now he's batting about 340, 16 home runs. He's got he's on pace for about 120, 130 RBIs. Got under a million, just under a million votes. Paul Goldschmidt is still a valuable guy. He's still valuable specifically in spots when they're up against bad pitching, which happens a lot. Look, the Cubs have bad pitching. The Cincinnati Reds have bad pitching. Pittsburgh has bad pitching. And even Milwaukee's pitching isn't what it once was. Josh Chisholm is a tough guy. Look, he's a fun guy. The guy's only batting 240. He does have 13 homers, 42 RBIs. He's got 11 steals. Chisholm's leading the way for second baseman there. But Josh Chisholm is a tough guy to go out there and make a prop play on. He's a perfect example of somebody that might be a little overvalued on the prop play situation because he's an exciting player. He's got home runs. He's got stolen bases. He's, he's got the flamboyance. He does the bat flip uh, when he walks. He's that guy, but he doesn't get on base that often. So what are you going to take with him? You know, you're not going to take a shot at a home run market. You're going to look at him for runs, RBIs in a game or hits in a game. I don't love Jazz Chisholm. I think you could bet against him. Manny Machado was leading uh, pretty much. I mean, all the way here in third base over Nolan Arenado with his great season. But he did get injured. So now Arenado might jump up over him. I don't think there's any betting value on either one of these guys. Trey Turner is there. Trey Turner is not having a great season, but he's having a solid season. 300 batting average, nine homers, about 50 RBIs. He's got 14 steals, 33 runs. I would expect him to get a lot more runs in the second half. I think the Dodgers are a good team from a prop play perspective to start kind of going against. I think that Arizona's Pitching has been better than we expected. That'll come back down to earth. Colorado had early season pitching success. That's clearly come back down to earth. I still don't believe in the Giants or Padres long-term pitching uh, that they could really continue at the level that they've been at. Mookie Betts, the same situation. Mookie Betts is the leading vote-getter, and he should be. He's probably the MVP of the National League, although I'd give it to Paul Goldschmidt. He's only batting 273, but he's got 17 homers, 40 RBIs. Uh, 53 runs. People are loving what Mookie Betts is doing. Mookie Betts, though, because he is Mookie Betts, because he's had such prior success, and because he plays for the Dodgers, is an overvalued commodity on the prop market. Ronald Acuna, 272, 616, 12, 24. I, you know, Ronald Acuna is on this team because of a name recognition. He is a guy I would be betting against consistently on a prop. And I have made a lot of money betting against him this year. Ronald Acuna is a name. He's a massive talent, but he is coming off of a major injury. I mean, you're looking at the starting center fielder, basically center fielder, for the National League. Guy's got six homers, 16 RBIs. I mean, it's not like he's crushing in a run. He's got 24 runs. Boogie Betts has 53. So Ronald Acuna is doing a lot of this by name recognition. You might be able to bet against him on a prop plays. Jock Peterson for the Giants, um, barely becoming that third outfielder. The other guys have 1.4 million, 1.3 million. He's got 630. 271, 14 home runs, 36 RBIs. I can't, I can't find a market where I like Jock Peterson. I don't think he keeps up the 271 average, but he could hit, he could pop 30 home runs with his eyes closed. I mean, that's who he is. And then the DH is Bryce Harper, who is injured right now, a little over a million votes, 325, 15, 40. I mean, the guy's just consistently done this um, now for two years running Bryce Harper, but you're not going to get any value on Bryce Harper. I mean, you're just, you're just not. I mean, Bryce Harper is that guy that. Everybody knows his name. He's a big-time time guy. He's on a good team that is now streaking in the right direction. From a prop play perspective, you're not getting any value on Bryce Harper. Let's go to the American League. 
Alejandro Kirk, surprisingly, over a million votes and leading the way there. I did believe that Sal Perez was going to be that guy. Sal Perez on the prop play market, you could never get value on. Jose Trevino is someone I thought really should be pushing up, and he's in third place right now. The guy's batting about 280, just under 280. He's about 278 where I'm recording this now. Jose Trevino is a guy that the prop play market does not respect at all, and maybe he comes back to earth, but you give me a guy with 278 average in that loaded Yankees lineup, what I like to do with Jose, Jose Trevino is take hits, runs, and RBIs. Give me the over one, over one and a half with Trevino, even if you got to lay 120. That's a situation I start to kind of look at. Kirk, uh, he's going to start getting on the map, but you could probably get some value with him still. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., not even a million votes, which is a little surprising, but good for you fans because he's not having a great year. 265, 17 home runs, 41 RBIs is there. The power numbers are there. If you're going to take a shot with Vladimir Guerrero, don't look at him as being that 300-plus hitter anymore. I wouldn't take him for hits. You want to go with the RBIs and runs and even home runs in good spots against bad pitchers. Sure, the power numbers are there for him. Jose Altuve, starting second baseman. I mean, this a little undeserving. He's got 12 homers. He's got 33 RBIs, 32 runs, 274. He's solid. On the prop play market, you're not going to... It's still Jose Altuve. So the guy's name is still a, a name of recognition. But I'm not going to be playing anything with Jose Altuve. Ra- Rafael Devers having a great year, 727,000 votes. The guy's batting 330. 16 home runs, 43 RBIs, 53 runs. Devers is still a little underrated as well. Now, he is on the Red Sox. Right, So the Red Sox are going to be inflated just because they are the Boston Red Sox and because there's so much betting in that market. But Devers is not getting the recognition that he deserves. I like Devers for total bases every night. I like Devers for to get a hit against a weak competition. Bo Bichette shouldn't be on this, this all-star list at all. He does have just a little over, uh, just a little under 600,000 votes. I was going to say a little over 500,000, but yeah, a little under 600,000 votes. He's not batting 260. He barely has double-digit home runs. He's got you know, decent runs. Steals are not really there this year. RBIs are 33. Bo Bichette is somebody that is living on pure name recognition. Pure name recognition right now. But it's also an indication of the weak shortstop hitting field. A shortstop hitters in the American League are just very weak this year. Tim Anderson being out, he probably would have been the leading vote getter. Aaron Judge, 1.5, leading all vote getters as he should. Aaron Judge, the market is big. He's on the New York Yankees. The prop market is going to be elevated for Aaron Judge. And I can still sit here and go, yeah, I'm not betting against him. I mean, I really, how, how do you bet against this guy right now? He's on pace for 65 home runs on the year. He's batting over 300. Aaron Judge is absolutely doing what everybody is, is just in awe of. Aaron Judge is your MVP. Aaron Judge is a prop play darling right now. Does he come back to earth? Yeah, probably. But right now, look, you got to continue your ride with him. Same thing with Mike Trout. And Mike Trout's got four less home runs than Aaron Judge, and everyone's saying, well, you know what, Mike Trout's not having a great year. Yes, he is. Mike Trout, 290, 21 home runs, 43 RBIs, 47 runs scored. Slugging is off the chart. Mike Trout gets into these. He had the worst slump of his career earlier this year, and the prop play was just to go against him, and then he gets red, red, red hot. He goes into these red, hot streaks where he's now hit three home runs in three games. He's hit five home runs this week. I mean, Mike Trout gets into these positions where he's just dominates and he just absolutely can cash huge tickets. Make sure you follow Mike Trout when he's in these hot zones. Do not blindly follow Mike Trout, though, because I don't want to call him a an inconsistent hitter, but he's becoming almost a streaky hitter. George Springer with 622. Eh, he's about a little over 260, 13 home runs. What this says is that the Toronto Blue Jays fans are out in full force. Springer, Bichette, Guerrero, and Kirk. 
You could argue Kirk doesn't belong there. You could argue very vehemently that Vladimir Guerrero doesn't belong on this list. Bo Bichette does not belong on this list. And George Springer probably doesn't belong on this list. I, I don't think you're going to get a lot of pushback from that. So understand, from a sports betting perspective, the, uh, the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, their number is probably going to be a little inflated, and the prop plays are certainly going to be inflated. And then at DH, Jordan Alvarez, nobody could argue with that. 311, 18 home runs, 47 RBIs. But his numbers are, are pretty standard when you're going for prop play. You, you know you're going to pay a premium with him. So while the all-star voting can become sports talk fodder and you can get into what you like, what you don't like, who should be there, who should not be there, don't think that we can't learn something from a betting perspective, which I did just show you. You absolutely can learn something from a betting perspective when you're talking about sports betting because you see where the market is. I know that this is only all-star vote getting and and guys going out there and stuffing the ballots and whatnot. This shows you that Toronto is probably overrated. This shows you that Toronto is is a little overvalued and on the prop market, that's going to follow suit. There are some guys that it doesn't matter. A guy like Paul Goldschmidt, a guy like uh, you look at, at Jordan Alvarez and a, specifically a guy like Trout and Judge, you're, you're going to pay a premium for them, but that's okay. There are some under-the-radar guys. I've made a lot of mention about Jake Cronensworth and how I've just absolutely crushed it over the last couple of weeks with him. Guy was batting about 204 a month ago. Now he's had a fantastic month, and he had the most run, most RBIs since late May, most RBIs in June. So Jake Cronensworth is a guy not on the list, but you've got to follow these players. If you're a prop player, these are the things that you have to kind of pay really close attention to. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me. Enjoy the NBA draft. Make sure that you enjoy Major League Baseball. We're going to come back next week. A lot of Major League Baseball as we start to head into July. A couple of guys coming back. I heard Scherzer's throwing, Chris Sale's throwing. How will that impact it? We're going to get into that and more next week. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.